My name is Nathan. As if those who might not know me, I'm the pastor here at the church. And we've been going through this series called God in My Everything. It's been an excellent journey. Each of the small groups is going through the book, chapter by chapter. We're going through it Sunday by Sunday together here at the church. And today we're in the uh, eighth or ninth chapter. I think it's the eighth chapter. But the whole point of this book is that we're encouraged by the author Ken Shigematsu to build <clears throat> what's called a trellis. Another word for that is a rule, but a trellis for our lives, for our spiritual lives. Um, we all are going to, to grow. Like Anything that's connected to Jesus is going to grow. There's no question about it. Um, but a trellis guides growth. If we don't have a trellis in our life, let's say that I'm a, a, a vine, I will start climbing on whatever's available. I'll go over up to this coffee mug or this water mug, this coffee mug, this little podium. I'm going to be pulling myself upward uh, naturally. But a trellis is an intentional, not passive, but an intentional structure you build for your life so that your soul, so that your um, yourself can get into the sunshine of Jesus Christ and receive the life-giving nutrient of sun and, um, and grow maximally as possible, abiding in Christ. So trellis has different parts, according to Ken. You know, there is Sabbath-keeping. We did that the first Sunday. Prayer, scripture, community, um, our sexuality, um, all these different aspects. And today we're going to be looking at uh, family. And, friend, and this is part of the category he calls the relate category. We talked about friendship, sexuality, and this one will be, be family. And there's a little bit of overlap, of course, with, you know, the, the friendship because your family is your friends. But he talks about uh, the idea that we need to set up an intentional trellis in our, in our, in our family to lift up our family time so that we are with, so we are growing in the way that we should. So the kids are in service with us today. So I thought one thing I'd like to do before we get into this whole thing uh, is talk about this idea of home, which is my way of talking about this idea of family. When you think about the concept of home, you know, what comes to mind? You know, what comes to mind, kids? When you think of home, what do you think about? Love, yep. Cohen? Being comfortable, yep. Love that. Chloe? God? Love that. Fam uh, home. See, there are all different kinds of families, all different kinds of homes. When I was uh, uh, growing up, of course, I had a family I grew up with. And when I moved out, to college, I had a roommate that became like family. I lived with that person day after day. And I had another roommate. My first roommate that deserted me and got his own single place regretted it instantly because he missed me so much. True story. And he got a dorm room right next to mine so he could come through our shared bathroom and talk to me because he was, you know, family for me, right? When I, when I graduated college, I moved back in my, with my, my family of origin for a couple years, it wasn't as much fun as the first time I lived there. 
because I just was ready to go. And then finally, in 2006, I moved into uh, to Saratoga Springs into an apartment. I lived you know, by myself. But family was still extremely important to me. Uh, that, that's why I started having small group every week. You know, family. I look at my small group community as my family. You know, every, every week, once or twice, having, peop, having individuals and a couple people over, or, or a group of people, a group of 12 people. At one point, we had like 30 people in our crazy young adult small group. Students from Skidmore and all around Saratoga. You know, that was family. Uh, we had, we celebrated Christmas together. We had gift exchanges with, with my small group family. We had meals together with my small group family. Um, that, that's, that was important. Now that I'm married, it was me and Jackie moving in together. And we, we had a family together. And then finally we had kids. We have four kids now. And that, and that was family. So by no means is a sermon about the importance of the, part, the trials of your family. By no means is this obsolete if you live alone. Because family is what you make it. Family is, um, has to sometimes be more intentional. Um, when, you're, when you're living alone, you have to make a family because you need family. And so you plan a small group. You plan to, to get to know people. So likewise, you have to be intentional when you actually have like a wife and kids or a spouse and kids or a roommate or whatever because you can become a passive family member existing side by side with your roommate, with your um, Sweet mates with your, with your wife, with your wife and kids, you can become a passive person. And without intentionality, you're not going to experience family, which is what we all need. Whether we live alone or live with a group of people, it's all about intentionality and building that family. So when you think about this overarching idea, what I'm calling the idea of home, you think of relaxing and being yourself. You think about love. You might think about God. I love visiting my parents' house now as an adult because I still have my childhood room in there. And my dad carved a Nathan's sign that's just like the hot dog logo on my, on my door. It's still bolted to the door. I still call it my room, even though it's a spare room. Um, I call it, that's my room. Um, I can, if I close my eyes, I can smell my parents' house. I can open my window and I can feel the breeze and the sound of the wind going through the trees coming off of Sacandaga Lake. My, my, my room faced the lake. I can smell that, that smell. I can feel though my family was not perfect, or when it was not perfect, I can feel the ease and the comfort of being, knowing that my parents were in the house. I can smell the fireplace. We had two wood stoves. and smell that fireplace smell in my parents' house. Every single sense of mine can go right back to my childhood house, my room the feeling that it brought. Home. You know, we all 
have this desire to be in a home, to be at ease, to be ourselves. Many of us, um, you know, did not have a home or did not have a very good home growing up. We had you know, parents who were at each other's throats or abuses that happened with, with siblings and parents, um, abandonment, loneliness, it's a sense of like you're on your own, kid. You know, but we still, even in those situations, we long for home. We long for home. But home is what you make it. You know, for, for many here at the church, you know, I want you to know that this is a home. This is a home. This is not a business. You know, this is not a club. Um, this is an actual home. This is an actual family. And when you're part of this church, as long as I'm here, I'm going to say and act as though you are all my brothers and sisters, my mothers and fathers, my aunts and uncles, not even roommates, family, home. This is home. This is another home. Or maybe it's your first home that you can have. This is a place where you can be at ease. You can be yourself without fearing judgment or reprieve. Um, where you can say what's on your mind. Now, this is home. If anyone judges you for it, you're going to get that person. Authenticity. We talk about this idea, you know, kids... Sometimes, and I, this, is, this was true of me growing up, but kids often will behave very politely with people outside the house, and everyone says, oh, your kids are so nice. But then at home, they're comfortable enough to let their colors show. And some of that is, can be ugly and can be sinful, but they're comfortable enough and secure enough to show that. And then you have the truth of who they are mixing with parenting, and you can guide and shape those people. And when I was a kid, I have distinct memories, not memory, but memories, going to my grandmother's house in Pennsylvania. My grandmother, very prim and proper, believe it or not, I don't think I took much after her. She was also prob probably anorexic, I don't think I took after her. Um, I think she ate pretty much a, a bowl of vitamins every day, and that was her food. My dad would, uh, you know, because he was now an adult and able to buy his own groceries and stuff, he, we'd get there and we'd go through the cabinets and we'd laugh because everything was expired. There was no food in the house. And uh, my mom made up a song. She said, Nana's Tropicana is more sour than a rotten banana. And so we'd, we'd joke around about it. But my dad would buy loads of food and he would make these huge breakfasts. I'd wake up to the smell of Scrapple, Pennsylvania people here. Scrapple, bacon, yeah, thank you, Steve. And it's like, it's breakfast time. Like, I'd run downstairs because I wanted to watch my grandmother sit in horror as my dad piled, you know, this food on his plate and said, hey, Mom, you want some? Um, so that was kind of the fun part of growing up. But I, but I felt comfortable at my, at my grandmother's house, my family. And I do remember uh, just being inside the breakfast nook where you're sort of trapped, if people all around you, 
you have to climb under the table to escape. But I would, uh, I would hold, in te as a teenager, as a young you know, 11, 12, 13, 14-year-old kid, I felt comfortable giving the contrarian opinion to everything that the adults were talking about. I had passion, I'd get red in the face, I'd shout my opinions, I'd storm off. I didn't do that at my friends' houses, but I did that with my parents because I was comfortable with them. And, and I knew that, thank God, my family was such that I knew that I wasn't going to be judged or alienated from them if I did that. They put up with it because we're family. Because this is home, right? So home, family. Whether we live with people as family or roommates or we make a family from our church. We all long for home. And ultimately, you know, I'm reminded of this, this week especially, that um, the ultimate home that we long for is heaven, being with Jesus. I think that when we are face to face with Jesus, it says, now we know in part, then we shall know as we are fully known. Now we know in part, then we shall see face to face. Being known as you are fully known is my definition of home. Being known fully and fully knowing the other is home. And we all long for that kind of intimacy with God, where we're known as we are fully known. Home. Home is, Ken says, a furnace. It's where the heat gets turned up in your life. You know, with your spouse, with your kids, with your roommates, with your, with your chosen community, with your church, family. Um, there's lots of opportunities to either live for yourself or to die to self and live for Christ. Meaning to serve one another. Um, God, being God, was not obligated to do this, but he used all of his power and authority as God to serve humanity. This is the only God of all the false gods in the world. This is the only story where God empties himself of all of his power becomes his creation, gives his life to save people from their sin, gives his life for people that are not grateful. I know many parents feel like a lot of parenting is like that. These kids don't appreciate it. They're not learning. But as parents, we either live for ourselves or we live for God. We either demand and punish um, harshly or shout, or we die to self and live for God. And uh, Jesus gives us the example of, of how to parent. He gives us the example of how to um, be a proper roommate, a proper spouse, a proper member of a church. In Philippians 2. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, 
Rather, in humility, value other people above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. And here's, here's the, uh, the real... So far, it seems like good advice. But then uh, it says, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself. God humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place, gave him a name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven, on earth, and under the earth, every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. You know, what is this saying? It's saying, of all the beings and personalities in the universe, God has the right to be God, to exercise his authority, to force people to worship him, to make them to be harsh with them, to punish them for their shortcomings. He's perfect after all. But what did Jesus do? What did God do in Christ? He humbled himself. God humbled himself. He became like the flesh of sinful man, and he didn't consider his equality with God, his godness, something to be used to his own advantage. But he used it for the advantage of others. He used it for our advantage. Becoming obedient to death, even death on the cross. Um, so, I said to a friend a couple weeks ago, I was to preach a sermon series on parenting, preach a sermon series on marriage, preach a sermon series on uh, how to conduct yourself in church or with roommates, it would be Philippians 2. We are to humble ourselves like God and serve one another. One another's are, are, are just saturating the scriptures. They call them the one another's. So kids, listen to this, and adults. A new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. So in two sentences, he says it like three or four times. You know, love one another. This is um, in home where we're comfortable, where we are being ourselves, where we uh, feel love and security. Uh, we are to um, utilize our family as an opportunity to grow in our love. Love one another, because we have a choice, right? Kids, we have a choice to love our brothers and sisters or to treat them like garbage. We have a choice. Um, we have a choice, husbands and wives, how we're going to treat each other and talk to each other. Roommates, church members, we have a choice. So here's the big command God gives us, love one another. Why should we do that, God? Because that's how I've loved you. So you must love each other. And that's how you, people are going to know that you're my disciples, if you love one another. That's how people are going to know God's love, through loving one another. This is the furnace of the household, the furnace of the, of the home, of the family, that we have opportunities every day to love each other or not. Here's another one. Kids, adults, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you. We're supposed to forgive each other based on the fact that God forgave us. So we're to follow God's example in forgiving each other from the heart. 
to be kind and compassionate to one another instead of saying, you're just being stupid. Like, you're being unreasonable. You know, what's wrong with you? Why can't you get your act together? Um, we're, we're to be kind and compassionate, even if we can't really relate to what our kids and our spouse or our roommate or our church friend is going through. Kind and compassionate. And forgive each other, just like God forgave us. God forgave us of all of our sins, past, present, and future, when we turn to Jesus. So we must forgive one another. The golden rule, Luke 6.31. Kids, you know what the golden rule is? Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. So when you're thinking about your spouse, your kids, um, your roommate, your church family, your work friends, do for them what you'd like done for you. That's a pretty good rule of thumb for, for life. This is... Again, not always the easiest thing to do. But we're to do it because God has done it for us. Love your neighbor as yourself. Whoever claims to love God yet hates a brother or sister is a liar. For whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourself. Seek to honor people above yourself. Love your enemies and pray for those that persecute you. That you might be children of your Father in heaven. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and positions to give to anyone who had need. Let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another. For whoever loves has fulfilled the law. But love your enemies. Do good to them and lend to them without expecting to get anything back. Then your reward will be great and, your and you will be children of the Most High because he is kind to the ungrateful and the wicked. That's a good course in parenting. <laughs> We are kind to the ungrateful and wicked. But this is what makes a good home. This is what makes church a family. This is responding to the people that God has around us, no matter what station of life we are in, intentionally loving those people and allowing those things to be opportunities to grow in our character rather than be opportunities to grow in our um, Ability to shout or demand our own way. Um, that's, that's home. I definitely want, want you all to know that this, this church will be, will be a home. This church can be a home to you. It can be your first real home where you can really let your hair down and be yourself, be a family. St. Benedict said, and he mentioned it in the chapter, that life is best lived out in a school of love, in community where we learn firsthand how to offer and receive love 
offer and receive forgiveness, offer and receive care, offer and receive grace, offer and receive hospitality. Our, these family relationships are the crucible that God uses to refine our character, like when a, when a goldsmith will be melting the gold and, and getting all the impurities off the top until it's pure gold. That's what community is like. It's a crucible where we die to self and learn to live for God. So we must become present to our community. If we are living with even a roommate, especially a roommate who's a Christian, um, being passive is you're going to miss out on what the gift community can give you. Because for me, when I think about home, one of the things I think about is Kyle Esposito, my roommate that was with me before Jackie and I got married. And I'd come home, and Kyle was an amazing cook and a baker. And there's loaves of bread on the counter. I'd just smell that bread outside of the house, inside the house. You know, we broke bread together. He shared with me. We we had a community of, 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 of family. I think about... Brian Nielsen, who lived with me for a season when he was working at Skidmore and rode his bike back and forth, and he uh, taught me how to steal the next-door neighbor's internet. That was great. <laughs> he said, if they, haven't, if they haven't password protected it, they're asking you to use it. Because um, I didn't have internet in my house. Uh, it's a little funny story. It wasn't Brian, it was someone else. He, he goes to this church. Um, <clears throat> Johnny Stanley, my young friend, he lived with me for a season. You know? Um, we, again, these are people that I had community with that we intentionally spent time together, and we intentionally spent time together even having the small group together in our house. Um, and now, in my, uh, my family with Jackie and the kids, you know, I have to challenge myself to be present with them, and not tune them out with telephones and internet and work and to-do lists. So this week I was, you know, when we clean, we're merciful to ourselves. We listen to podcasts or whatever when we're cleaning because it's so horrible to clean. Everyone knows that. But when the kids come into the room, pop out my earbuds and talk to them. When they come into the room with their, their earbuds and I say, hey, I pop out my earbuds whenever you're in the room. You pop out yours too. Let's talk. Because these, these, we have to be present to our family, you know. And I don't do it perfectly. And phones are really a really hard, hard thing to deal with. And but we have to teach ourselves, and then teach our kids how to be present with one another. Because that is a crucible of growth. That's a, that's part of your trellis of life. Um, being present in church, again, not being on your phone in worship, like worshiping, um, not being on your phone in the lobby, uh, being present with your family. Showing up, getting here a little before worship time and being here, worshiping God together with the family. Sounds like something a pastor would tell his church to do. I'm telling you that you should do it. It's awesome. Worshiping together, coming to church together, bringing your family to worship, being present with your family. Thinking about faith stories. Um, is there something God wants me to share today? Whether you're a kid or an adult, we want this to be a place where all ages realize they have value and they share and we receive that from them. 
whether you're a kid or an adult. It's something we can do. We're a small enough church. We can be a family. We can be a real church family. We can. We can do it. We're, we're not this mega church. We can know each other's names. That's why we share meals once a month, right? Family. So boundaries in your life to be present to your friends, your roommates, your church family. And not everyone is going to be your closest friend in life, but you'll never know unless you tune in, right? No matter how much time I spend with my kids, you know, and I'm able to be, because I'm a senior pastor and all that, I can be flexible at times with my time, which I'm thankful for, so I can plan to be at my kids' like concerts and some activities during the day, which other, other people don't have that same sweet advantage to do. Like, it's just impossible. But still, my kids say, we'll be like, oh, you're always working. You're always going here. And I'm like, I'm here like all the time, guys. Because <laughs> kids, you know, they, they need us there. They really do. They need us there. And just, they just need it. So parents, kids, siblings, roommates, church friends, church family. He says, when we run from our families, we walk away from God's intended design for our character development. Life in the family humbles us, deflates our ego, check, and leads us from purgatory to heaven. And we don't really believe in purgatory here, but you know what he's talking about. He says in the book, when you seek, when a person seeks happiness, they never find it. But God places us in the family to make us holy, not to be happy. And happiness comes from holiness, coming from being changed by God and then responding to those around us differently, being present with those, to to purify us and make us uh, the people God's calling us to be. That's what home and family is for. So yeah, bring bring your family to church on Sundays. Bring your family to activities the church holds. Make those a priority because um, that, that's a part of your trellis. That's part of that really supports your life with Christ. And I, I just, when parents, when their kids turn that magical number of 18, and then parents are like mystified, why don't my kids consider going to church important? I wish they wanted to go to church. I, I'll, I'll go over the, wherever they want. Well, the problem was you were only here like once a month or once every six weeks. That's why they don't prioritize church. Um, I'm probably speak, preaching to the choir a little bit because you're all here, right? But um, you know, has, if, if it's a priority for you, it'll be a priority for your kids. If having a small group is a priority for you, your kids will have a priority of having a small, small group, and they'll appreciate it and have fun in it. Um, I appreciate it. You know, there was a time when I was in crisis, teenage crisis. Um, I was 18, and there was a girl I was interested in, and I was trying, I was really anxious about that relationship. I was anxious about whether or not I should be with her. Just too, all the, altogether too serious and crazy. And I called uh, my pastor, Pastor Bo. I said, you got to talk to me. I need to talk to you. Can we get together tonight? I need to talk to you about this. It's so important. I, it's really killing me. It's tearing me up inside. I can't sleep. I can't think. Full of anxiety. And he's like, no, I'm hanging out with my wife tonight. I was like so upset that he didn't prioritize my such an important problem. You know? He had put a boundary in his life where he was being present to his wife. And those who know him 
know that he has done that and still does that and takes very good care of his wife who has a lot of physical disabilities that really are painful and hard to deal with. She has some sickness and things, and he, he just is present to her. He doesn't tune out his wife. And he showed me that, even though I was mad at him as a teenager. I understand now. We need that time together. We need to prioritize and let, and let, our, let the people in our family know they're a priority. Let their church family know that our kids and wife are, know our, whoever we live with, whoever we make our community. In, in the book, um, and I, I encourage you to read it, Ken talks about an exercise where uh, someone took a, a, a big bottle like this and just started filling it with... Um, with big rocks and it went to the top and he said to the class is this full? and they were like no, yes it's full he goes well look at this and they started pouring in gravel and it went around he shook it and it went around is it full now? the class caught on and said oh yeah it's, it's, uh, it's, it's not full yet we know there's something else coming and then he finally poured sand into it and shook that up and finally it was full and the, the purpose of that is not how much can you shove into your life um, and still survive, but that if you don't put the big, if you don't prioritize the big things first, you're not going to be able to get those big things into your life. How you live your life creates the priorities. Like, if you fill it with gravel and you try to put the big chunk of, like, family in there and being present to your family and church community, you're not going to be able to fit that because it's full of activities it's full of other things that become the priority of your life, whether you like it or not. That's what happens, you know? And so we have to, we have to intentionally put this thing of community, of family, of home, whatever that looks like, into our life and have other things form around those things, those priorities. Providing our families and our friends and our church family what they need. Serving them in love. I'm going to invite the worship team forward. We're going to sing a song about the love and grace of God. But I just encourage you to, to, to consider that God has put you in a family, put you in a church, whatever living situation you find yourself in. And the people around you are meant to be your, your whether they're your kids who are disobedient and don't seem to be growing and learning, or a roommate who's cantankerous and leaves the bathtub running and it runs through your ceiling three times. Um, happened to me. Or it's your, who you consider your inconsiderate spouse, or whatever. You. God wants you not to focus on them, but to take this opportunity to grow in your character, to grow in love, to love one another, forgive one another, give grace to one another, offer hospitality to one another. And in this, it's going to be our biggest place of growth in our lives. So we're going to sing a song together.